Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. It is Wednesday. It's the middle of the week, July 26th. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. I am on my way to Modesto, California right now with my family. We decided to take a couple of days and drive down the beautiful, beautiful uh, California coastline and then head inland to Modesto. If you are anywhere in the area, come out and see me. This is my last speaking event of the season, and I am looking forward to what God is going to do as our family comes and ministers together at VHE in Modesto. Also want to remind you, if you have not checked out uh, the scripture writing challenge for this month. We are bringing that to a close and a new one will begin in August. I can't believe I just said the word August. A moment of silence. Oh man, I do not want the summer to be over. I am so enjoying, I'm enjoying the weather. I love everything about the Pacific Northwest this time of year. And fall is good too, but man, I love this time of year. But I have a brand new scripture writing challenge for August, and I think you're going to be really blessed. I want to encourage you to invite somebody that you know to be in the Bible with you. As I've said many times on the podcast before and on my blog, there is life-changing power in the Word of God. And I just want to encourage you to a place of really knowing His Word so that we can do what I was talking about on Monday, which is to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Do you know that if, and I've said this a lot uh, as I speak, because I I just think it's so true, uh, we elected Barack Obama, right, for two four-year terms in this country because we were looking for what? Hope and change right? We were looking for hope and change, except for what? We found out something the hard way. You can't find hope and change in a president. We've elected uh, Donald Trump. And most of you who have listened to my podcast for a long time know that I voted for the guy. Um, I actually not have, I've not been too disappointed in what he's done uh, so far. But his, we, he, we elected him because why? Because we want to make America great again. And just like you're never going to find hope and change in a president, we are never going to make America great unless we fall down on our knees and confess our sin to the Father. We are never going to make America great short of coming back to the Lord in this nation and short of just uh, flat out revival. And I'm noticing that we are living in kind of a generation of very uh, weak, uh, spiritually weak Christians. And I want to address uh, a question that I got on my blog the other day, I was talking about, um, I was talking about, I, well, I posted a video and, it, and I'll tell you, I think I made a mistake too. And I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about why I think that is as well. But I posted a video that was put out by Cosmopolitan magazine. Some of you may have seen it, um, but Cosmopolitan put a video out of a gentleman who is basically dressed in drag. So he has like a five o'clock shadow and he's wearing earrings and a necklace um, he looks like a man and he talks like a man, but he calls himself genderqueer and uses the pronouns they and them. And genderqueer people, according to Cosmopolitan, are an important part of the transgender community. And he said, this is their story. Not this is his story, because we can't call him a man anymore. We have to call him there because he's neither male or female. And this just flies in the face of what God says about who we are. And I think as as the questions get more and more uh, complex, I want you to be so sure that that um, of who God made you that you don't question um, your own DNA. And that's kind of what we're doing um, 
And I, I, as I'm looking at what's happening in the culture right now, and the questions are becoming, Christians are asking these questions, I feel compelled to kind of go back again and say, actually, this is what the Word of God says. This is where we go. Our standard is the Word of God. Our standard is not Cosmopolitan Magazine. It's not a shrink somewhere in Connecticut who wants to uh, redefine gender for us. Our standard has to come from the Word of God. So what does the Bible say? Well, uh, in Mark 10, verse 6, in the NIV, it says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them what? male and female. If you go to uh, Genesis, it says, Jesus said, uh, God made them male and female for this reason, a man should leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. Genesis one twenty seven. he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. In Genesis 5, verse 2, he created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. So there are there is ample evidence in the Bible that God was very intentional in his creation of male and female. We are created uh, in the image of God, according to the Bible. Marriage is for, for uh, we were created for marriage. For this reason, a man should leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. And in the culture right now, we have decided that we want the ability to choose our own gender. So this young man, and it really, it actually made me sad. And my reaction to it, I you know, was kind of a, a fleshly reaction. And I sometimes do that. Maybe you guys can can relate to me. I was so appalled by what I saw that I wrote on my Facebook page, uh, take this poor man off television and get him some counseling. Uh, Not to mention Cosmopolitan needs a bit of grammar instruction. The word there is plural. Cosmopolitan and Vogue magazine and all the rest of the liberal-leaning progressive thought magazines, I said, are clearly insane because the headline should be man dressed in drag confuses pronouns. Men are men, women are women. We use the correct pronoun because we believe in DNA. And I, as I said this, um, you know, I could kind of feel myself. Do you guys ever say things and then just go, yeah, I could have done that better. In hindsight, I was just like, okay, I should have just quit with my own commentary and said, this is what God says, because we need to know what the Bible says. Uh, the transgender movement has really hijacked, like a lot of the homosexual movement, the words love in the culture today, right? We're redefining love because you should be able to do whatever you want to do. But God said that the heart is wicked. And the minute we move away from what God says is right, we're harming ourselves. And ultimately, we harm other people around us. So the conversation, of course, gets, you know, takes off on uh, on my page. And I realized pretty quickly, you know, people are making fun of this man, which I really, you know, I was just like, get this guy off Facebook. I can totally see how I opened up uh, I opened up the conversation to go down that road. But there was somebody in particular uh, who said to me uh, that um, that people who are in, quote, transition are using the pronoun there, like T-H-E-I-R, to show that they're just, they're confused and they're trying to make a transition. And she wondered why I couldn't be more understanding toward it. And so this is where I w- I'd like to just... Um, to talk to you about this because I kind of am wondering what all these people that are going through transition are going to say 15 years from now when we've changed our vocabulary to accommodate what can only be described as mental illness and they've done irreparable harm to their bodies and their minds are still suffering. What are we going to do then? 
Because the fact that we're standing by and allowing this to happen in the name of love is a tragedy in and of itself. There was a time when we cared enough to tell people the truth. And instead of telling people the truth, what we've happened now is we've become we become the Corinthians. And so a friend of mine came back to me and she said, you know, hey, I'd really like to hear more about how you navigate conversations with uh, people that you know are going through it. And uh, for better or for worse, for the last several years out on the road during my speaking season, I have met many parents who are struggling with this. Mostly they're struggling through it with their kids. And I think a large part of that is because the school system is pushing this agenda in the schools. And so now you've got, you know, little kids as young as kindergarten. And when they apply for school, uh, their teachers are asking them, do you feel like a boy or a girl? Well, if you were to ask my uh, four-year-old boy, when he, well, he's not four anymore, but when he was four on any given day, I mean, some days he felt like a dinosaur. Some days he wanted to dress up like a girl. And sometimes we let him, but we never would have lied to him and said, you know what? You, you actually might be a girl. You look good in that dress. We would never have done that. And without um, qualification, I think every person that I have met or every parent who has a child that's going through this are in terrible emotional pain. And so the question to me, the question that was posed to me was, how do you treat these people? Well, we treat them the way God says that we treat them. We love the way God says to love. But like I said on Monday, we're called to live in the tension between truth and grace. So we are called to listen. We're called to be kind. Uh, I remember one uh, woman in particular that I talked to on my uh, out on the speaking circuit this last uh, spring who was crying backstage with me because she believed that God told her in a dream that her son was really a girl. And he had been influenced uh, to be a girl, to be transgender in the school system. And I didn't mock her. I cried with her. We should, this should break our hearts. This should make us weep and pound our, our chest and say, Father, open our eyes. But as I cried with her, I told her the truth. And the truth was the voice that she believed was God's voice telling her that her son was really her daughter, was not God, because God would never lie to her about her son. Here's the truth, you guys, and I think this is what um, I want to just hopefully hit home with you today in the last few minutes of the podcast, because there really is no understanding. Uh, You know, we keep saying, well, we want to understand where they're coming from. And there's, there's, we will never be able to understand it because it's rooted in a lie. Think for just a minute how crafty the devil is to take a generation of spiritually immature Christians and task them with speaking the truth about something so tender as human sexuality when we live in what can only be described as the middle of a modern day Corinth. We are the church in Corinth today. So what do we do? Well, rather than speaking the truth in love like Jesus did, we either yell or scream or we say nothing because tolerance. Or we say nothing because love. And there is a tension. And, and as I've been able to travel and met parents who are wrestling with a lie that gender is a, a social construct, uh, the idea that gender is fluid, I be, I'm beginning to see even more and more as a terrible injury to the human spirit. Because at its core is a lie. And it goes against what God said about creating us male and female. And we do not help when we sacrifice truth on the altar of mercy. Now, as we talk about difficult subjects, and I know some of you are sitting here cringing, and I'm sure I'm going to get some mean reviews on my, uh, on my, on my uh, blog today. 
But I truly believe as Christians that we are going to live to regret two things if this, uh, if this continues and we refuse to stand in the gap. We're going to see our inability to navigate this in a way that shines the truth of the gospel and shows our love for people who have a wrong understanding of the gospel. We need to share the gospel first. The Bible says that we know the truth, who is Jesus, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we know the truth, who is Jesus. And then when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. All of a sudden, we're able to see our sin for what it is. And I think that's really what the culture wars against right now, because we are living in a modern day uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We are living in a time when we want uh, no boundaries. And I think, you know, once we realize, oh, we have a creator, once we admit we have a creator, well, having a creator changes everything. We don't want to be shown uh, the truth of our sin. That's what Titus says, right? That's why we that's why we recoil against the truth of the word of God, because it opens our eyes to what's wrong with our lives and teaches us to do what's right. And so often we don't want to be told what's right. We just want to keep wallowing in our sin. But we are called to live in the tension between truth and grace. And so we're called to love unconditionally, but to learn to do so in truth. And it's not easy. And I wish I could sit here and tell you why I've got all the answers. And, you know, I I, want to be the cultural answer lady. Actually, um, I don't. (laughs) Because, hey, I don't have all the answers. Um, But I know that I know, because this is what the Word of God says, that allowing a lie to fester only makes things worse. And I don't know about you, but I am just, I'm ready for the Lord to return. I feel like every day that that goes by, we struggle more and more uh, with the problem of uh, mental illness in the culture right now. We're struggling with it, certainly. Uh, we're struggling as Christians to answer, uh, to give an answer for the hope that lies within us in a way that's both loving and kind. But God has a standard. He has a standard. And we may, we may not need to to hold someone else to that standard, but we certainly need to say, this is the standard. And if we don't agree, or if we don't live by what God says is right and true, we will suffer. We will suffer as a culture. We will suffer as a country. Our children will suffer because God's law is as sure as gravity. And if I walked off my porch right now and decided, well, I don't really believe in gravity, gravity wouldn't care if I believed in it or not. And the word of God is the same way. And so as you uh, interact with the world around you and as you have opportunities to uh, to speak life uh, into the lives of people around you, I want to just encourage you not only to speak life, but to do so in a way that brings honor and glory to the one who made you. I often think, particularly as we're walking through the suffering with Bobby, because the same argument is made uh, for... Uh, not understanding human suffering, right? Well, how 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 come a God is good if He allows uh, your nephew to get hit by a car in his driveway, right? When we make it to our driveway, we think we're safe. Well, Bobby thought he was safe. He made it to his driveway, took off his seatbelt, and bam, you know, he gets hit by a car going fifty miles an hour, sitting in his driveway, backing into his driveway. Oh my goodness. And the same thing is true of, uh, we talk about human suffering. Well, where is God in human suffering? I've had people say, well, God wouldn't, God doesn't make mistakes. God wouldn't create uh, someone and then have them struggle their entire life with uh, same-sex attraction. But we forget that we live in a fallen world. And as long as we live for until the Lord comes back, we will wrestle with sin. There is evil in the world. 
And we want to be careful not to normalize it. We want to be careful uh, not to lack love for people that are struggling with this. But when we see it, we need to be able to call it what it is. Listen, our children are the ones who are going to suffer the most when the dust settles from all this because they will have grown up in a world, if we don't get a handle on this, they're going to grow up in a world where Christians have done nothing to protect their minds from the insidious nature of sexual immorality. Paul said that we are to run from sexual immorality because of all the things that wound us that are around us in the world today, sexual sin is at the top of the list. And this is sin, this idea that men can be men and women can be women and no one gets hurt from it. It is sin. And its purpose is to ensnare and destroy, like all sin. And so as Christians, we need to be careful. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, upon further reflection, I wish I would have used uh, the word sin instead of mental illness. I do believe it is mental illness, but I believe it's mental illness that's brought on by sin. And I'm not suggesting uh, that we uh, not have compassion. Quite the contrary. I'm saying, remember that we are on a spiritual battlefield. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6, that we don't fight uh, the the weapons of of our warfare are not the weapons that the world uses. The weapons of our warfare are prayer and a knowledge of the Word of God. And we need to gird up because the enemy plays for keeps. The enemy plays for keeps. This is not a movement about people with something as simple as mental illness. Because when you see people take to social media and use uh, a wicked agenda to normalize evil, we need to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Our children are hanging in the balance. This is the reason why I wrote Becoming Mom Strong, to say, listen, get off the bench and get onto the field. Too much is at stake. We want to be careful uh, not to normalize what God says is sin in the name of love. It's kind of a misguided mercy. And this is what we're telling our children. So we want to be careful that we set an example that God would have us set, and that we go back to what uh, the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, where he said, worship Christ as Lord of your life, your whole life. That means we worship Him in the music we listen to, in the things we watch on television, in the words we say. We worship Him in the books we read. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live. Why? Because you belong to Christ. It's a privilege to belong to Christ. It's a privilege to walk out this life, to be able to be an ambassador for Jesus, to represent him in a lost and dying world, to bring hope uh, to people who are suffering. And if you know the Lord Jesus right now, you have inside of you the hope of glory. You have the hope of glory. So be strong in the Lord today and in the power of His might and ask the Lord to give you opportunities to share the hope and change that is only found in Jesus. Have a great Wednesday, you guys. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to check out my scripture writing challenge at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash scripture writing. And I will see you back here on Friday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.